Hi, I'm Ed Waters, the host of Free Circle Freedoms. I want to thank you for joining in on this episode where we cover the next four principles outlined in the 28 principles in the book, The 5,000 Year Leap. Principles of Freedom 101. We are going to cover principles 21 through 24. Let's get into this. The 21st principle. Strong local self-government is the keystone to preserving human freedom. Political power automatically gravitates towards the center. And the purpose of the Constitution is to prevent that from happening. The centralization of political power always destroys liberty by removing the decision-making function from the people on the local level and transferring it to the officers of the central government. This process gradually benumbs the spirit of volunteerism among the people and they lose the will to solve their own problems. They also cease to be involved in community affairs. They seek the anonymity of oblivion in seething crowds of the city and often degenerate into faceless people who have neither a voice nor a vote. The Golden Key to Preserving Freedom How different from the New England town spirit where every person had a voice and a vote where the people were considered sovereign and every man took pride in participating and how different from ancient Israel where the families of the people were governed in multiples of tens, fifties, and hundreds and thousands and where problems were solved on the level where those problems originated. All of those societies had strong local self-government. This is what the Founding Fathers considered the golden key to preserving freedom. Jefferson compares New England with Virginia. Thomas Jefferson saw the advantage of the close-knit New England town over the aristocratic rural life of Virginia, said he. These wards called townships in New England are the vital principle of their governments and have proved themselves the wisest invention ever devised by the wit of man for the perfect exercise of self-government and for its preservation. Jefferson was anxious to have all the English colonists in America revive the customs of their ancestors, including strong local self-government. Federal government to remain relatively small. Thomas Jefferson emphasized that if the oncoming generations 
perpetrated the constitutional patterns, the federal government would be small and cohesive and would serve as an inexpensive operation because of the limited problems which would be assigned to it. He wrote, The true theory of our Constitution is surely the wisest and best, that the states are independent as to everything within themselves, and the united as to everything respecting foreign nations. Let the general government be reduced to foreign concerns only, and let our affairs be distangled from those of all other nations except as to commerce, which the merchants will manage the better. The more they are left free to manage for themselves, and our general government may be reduced to a very simple organization and a very inexpensive one. A few plain duties to be to be performed by a few servants. The 22nd principle. A free people should be governed by law and not by the whims of men. To be governed by the whims of men is to be subject to the ever-changing will of those in power. This is ruler's law at its worst. In such a society, nothing is dependable. No rights are secured. Things established in the present are in a constant state of flux. Nothing becomes fixed and predictable for the future. Law as a rule of action. The American founders had an entirely different viewpoint. They defined law as a rule of action, which was intended to be as binding on the rule as it was upon the people. It was designed to give society a stable frame of reference so people could feel secure in making plans for the future. As John Locke said, freedom of men under government is to have a standing rule to live by, common to everyone, for that society, and made by the legislative power erected in it. Under established law, every person's right and duties are defined. Common law provided a framework of relative security and a sense of well-being for people and things, both present and future. This is the security which is designed to provide a high degree of freedom from fear and therefore freedom to act. Such a society gives its people a sense of liberty. Liberty under law. The American founders believed that without the protection of law, there can be no liberty. 
Law should be understandable and stable. The founders were sensitive to the fact that the people have confidence in the law only to the extent that they can understand it and feel that it is a rule of relative preeminence which will not be continually changed. John Madison emphasized both of these points when he wrote, It will be of little avail to the people that the laws are made by men of their own choice if the laws be so voluminous that they cannot be read, or so incoherent that they cannot be understood if they be repelled or revised before they are promulgated or undergo such increscent changes that no man who knows what the law is today can guess what it will be tomorrow. Law is defined to be rule of action. But how can that be a rule which is little known and less fixed? It will be recalled that Thomas Jefferson resigned from Congress in 1776 to hasten back to Virginia and volunteer for the task of rewriting the state's laws so that when independence had been won, the people would have a model system of legal principles which they could understand and warmly support the complex code of laws and regulations in our own day could be greatly improved through a similar house cleaning. The 23rd Principle A free society cannot survive as a republic without a broad program of general education. The English colonists in America undertook something which no nation had ever attempted before, the educating of the whole people. The colonists had a sense of manifest destiny, which led them to believe that they must prepare themselves for a most unique and important role in the unfolding of modern world history. Universal education was therefore considered an indispensable ingredient in this preparation. John Adams describes beginning of public education. The movement for universal education began in New England, clear back in 1647. The legislature of Massachusetts passed a law requiring every community of 50 families or householders to set up a free public grammar school to teach the fundamentals of reading, writing, ciphering, history, geography, and Bible study. In addition, every township containing 100 families or more was required to set up a secondary school in advanced studies 
to prepare boys for attendance at Harvard. John Adams stated that this whole program was designed to have knowledge diffused generally through the whole body of the people. He said, They made an early provision by law that every town consisting of so many families should be always furnished with a grammar school. They made it a crime for such a town to be destitute of a grammar schoolmaster for a few months and subjected it to heavy penalty so that the education of all ranks of people was made the care and expense of the public in a manner that I believe has been unknown to any other people, ancient or modern. Even young children were to be trained in the Constitution to appreciate the literal reality of the emphasis on politics in early American education, one need only examine the popular textbook on political instruction for children. It was called A Catechism on the Constitution. And it contained both questions and answers concerning the principles of the American political system. It was written by Arthur J. Stansbury and published in 1828. Very important for educating the people. And that brings us to our final principle of this episode, the 24th principle. A free people will not survive unless they stay strong. A free people in a civilized society always tend toward prosperity. In the case of the United States, the trend has been toward a superabundant prosperity. Only as the federal government has usurped authority and intermeddled with the free market economy has this surge of prosperity and high production of goods and services been inhibited. But the prosperity in the midst of thriving industry, fruitful farms, beautiful city, and flourishing commerce always attract the greedy aspirations of predatory nations. Singly, these covetous predators may not pose a threat, but federated together, they may present a specter of total desolation to a free, prosperous people. Before the nation's inhabitants are aware, their apocalypse of destruction is upon them. It was the philosophy of the founders that the kind hand of providence had been everywhere present in allowing the United States to come forth as the first free people in modern times. They further felt 
that they would forever be blessed with freedom and prosperity if they remained a virtuous and adequately armed nation. concludes this episode where we cover principles 21 through 24 outlined in the 28 principles of the 5,000 year leap principles of freedom 101 make sure you join in on the next episode where we cover the last four principles of the 5,000 year leap and we conclude our outline of the entirety of the book. At this time, I would like to invite you over to our website, freecircle.website, and our podcasting site is podcast.freecircle.website. We have a pod track survey over there on that website if you could go over there and take that survey for us it sure would be appreciated we'd love to know our audience a little bit better that way we can serve up some more content that suits you better as always thank you for joining in and have a wonderful day ed with free circle 